to a television show. Welcome everybody to episode number 27 of the Random Draw Board Game Podcast. I'm your host, Daniel Man. I'm here with Dave Hubbard. That's me. And Mark Belisle. Heyo. Welcome to another quarantine edition because we just can't seem to leave our homes. Nope. <laughs> one day. It'll happen one day. I don't know if anyone's seen, but they just opened Ocean City, the boardwalk down there. Maryland. This weekend? Yes. It looked like chaos. It looked like the purge was about to happen. Yeah, I uh, had to run by Lowe's today, and it was just wall-to-wall people who had no interest in not even bumping into you. Like, they would just bump into you. Nobody cared. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just well, It's mob. because, listen, you guys are amateurs at this. What you do is go as soon as they open and no one despite there being nothing to do in these people's lives mm-hmm. they still won't get up early for stuff <laughs> so all you have to do is get up early <laughs> and you'll be fine yeah i guess that's the trick yeah but then that means i have to get up early See? despite Dave? the fact that i don't have to do anything you're part of the problem this is why i can get things done in empty stores so it's jealous it's perfect i get up from the work at like 5 a.m and then i leave work at i don't know eight or nine <laughs> <laughs> And I just go right to the stores, and it's perfect. It's great in there. Yeah, I, I usually I usually hit the store after my job. Either I'm wearing oh, scrubs no. or I'm wearing my hospital name badge, and no one wants to be around me at any point during the shopping stay. Oh, that makes sense. I need to just make a fake hospital name badge. Yeah. just order scrubs. Can... <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Then I can walk around and do whatever I want. You either yeah, get just called a get hero or you're treated like a leper, one of the two. <laughs> Both but are either fine. Way, yeah. It's yeah, who six cares? feet away. Yeah. <laughs> So on this week's show, we know that a lot of people are stuck at home, and sometimes their only playing partners are their children, which is a bummer because <laughs> kids are terrible at games. It's true. They're not, they're not super challenging opponents. Yeah. That's true. <laughs> but games are definitely good for kids. They teach them a lot of stuff, so you should definitely play games with your kids. But uh, if you're looking to play King's Dilemma, maybe your 10-year-old's not the best opponent for that. Well, also, in children's defense, in the defense of all children, okay, we're not challenging opponents. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> I feel like, like it I, fits in. I could beat a child. <laughs> like, if I really put the effort in, I, I could beat a child. I would say... You know, if I edited out just you saying that... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Can we isolate that, please, Dave? If, I could beat a child. <laughs> oh, I'm making sure Dan's never the, getting elected to office. <laughs> I could beat a police. I sent some pictures earlier this week. <laughs> I, I have an eight-year-old daughter now. She wants to play games. So she hears of a lot of games, and turns out companies are very good at marketing things towards children. So <laughs> It's almost like they have a whole department dedicated to mm, it or something. Yeah. It is weird. It is weird. It seems shady. So instead of <laughs> instead of like what she should do, research games online endlessly for hours until she finds just the right game, what she does is mm-hmm. see a picture and read a short description, then get excited. And I mean, that's mm-hmm. so amateur. Um, but what are you going to do? I, <laughs> you know, I want to call that amateur, but then... <laughs> that's kind of how I do it in a lot of ways, if you think about it. <laughs> yeah, I, I can't really count how many times I've like backed a Kickstarter without even reading the entire campaign. Oh, you guys. <laughs> okay, it's a raccoon with a gun. Ooh, that sounds... Uh, sign me up, please. Take my money. Yeah, that sounds neat. Here's some money. (laughs) (laughs) So over Christmas, my daughter will ask for games, or for her birthday, she'll ask for games. And I will nod and say, yes, I will get you a game. And then she'll ask for a specific game, and I go, no, I will not get you that game. And I end up getting her games that I would like to play also with her that are are just better games. Mm -hmm. So this last Christmas, though, she did get a game. Uh, It was not from us. Who knows? 
what devil person bought her this game. <laughs> <laughs> but but she she received a game called Greedy Granny. Oh boy, did she. Yeah. So so Greedy Granny comes in your standard kids fair box. It has crazy bright art on the front. There's this grandma and she's like shooting forward in her recliner and her dentures are flying out. All great things. What you want to teach your child. Yeah, it's very The box art does look comical. Yeah, it's I, it does and that's exactly why we have it. It really? I was thinking it was very reminiscent of The Evil Dead. No. <laughs> Mark. <laughs> well, you want a whole different route. Yeah, with yeah. That. the whole thing just seems sinister. And having played so the game, uh, it, yeah, it is very sinister. Do you so, just are you just terrified of old people? Mark? Yeah, what's is your that what's, going what's on your here? deal here? I mean, let's get to the bottom of this. <laughs> Maybe, yeah. I mean, that is definitely a case. They look like little skeletons. What can I say? I, I don't like Mark, it. Mark, I need you to understand that what we're doing here is cheaper than therapy. <laughs> yeah. We're listening, buddy. Thanks. I'm here to hear you. Is it the smell or it's how they look? No, it's, it's the paper-thin skin is what it is. Is it a skin tear? Too many skin tears you've seen? Yeah, yeah. Is it the amount of tenting if you check, if you check the turger or whatever that's called? <laughs> so the point of Greedy Granny is you're supposed to take as many treats as you can off of the tray that Granny has on her lap while she's napping. Uh, you spin a spinner, you take as many treats as it says, and then also it says on the spinner how many times you have to push this button that's on the side of Granny's chair. And you push the button, if she doesn't wake up and her teeth fly out, then it's the next person's turn, and you just keep doing that until Granny wakes up and her teeth fly out. And that's and she catches you robbing her. This game teaches children to rob their elders. Yeah. Well, I mean, how, what's Grandma gonna do with all that food? She her teeth won't even stay in. Yeah, that's true. By the time she wakes up and knows about it, her teeth are across. Yeah. The I room. mean, really, yeah. you're doing her I... a favor because she's already having to take sugar pills. <laughs> she's got the sugars. <laughs> you don't want her diabetes acting up. That's right. That's right. So yeah, and she also has this ridiculous recliner that just shoots her forward. Right? <laughs> like whips her forward. Yeah, it's it's insane. It's startling, you know? And I know that I have like generalized anxiety anyway, but the last thing I really need in my life <laughs> is just some old woman like sitting straight out of bed and then have dentures flying out at me. No, thank you. Well, it's, yeah. the, it's the jack-in-the-box or the canned biscuits of games. That's For what sure. it is. So you spin the spinner and then you take the treat. And it doesn't matter if you drop the treats off the tray or anything. You just put them back on. That has nothing to do with the game. You're just lifting treats off there. It's all about that button push. And then as soon as she wakes up, that's the, the game is over. And there's probably some sort of tiebreaker, which I think has to do with age. But <laughs> yeah, it's very. There's not a lot of meta involved to the game. There's not a lot of game involved in the game. Like you don't make any choices. At no point in this game do you make a single choice about anything at all. Right. Yeah. There's there's no choice to be made, and it, it's literally designed to be mass sold. Like the the components are fine. Like it all works. But it's really cheap plastic. And so they're designed to sell a ton of these and market for little kids. I mean, they're, it's not fun in any means. The first couple times it was cool to see it like, oh, her teeth fell out. But other than that, <laughs> it's like, I don't ever want to play this again. Yeah, and it makes sense because you weren't really playing it to begin with. Mm -hmm. Yeah, It makes all of the, like you spin the spinner and you're told to do a meaningless task because taking the treats off don't mean anything you're told how many times to press the button so it's not a push your luck thing no you are told how many times to press the button and that is all it's just a luck thing that's oh yeah yeah it's it just... is left right center for kids with a granny that pops out of a chair yeah with dentures that's it that's the whole thing <laughs> we actually had another game like this that i can't remember the name of it but it had like this chef and you put these burgers in him 
and then however many burgers you put in him, you press down on his head, and eventually his belt bursts. <laughs> <laughs> but it's the same. It, it's funny, but it's the same game. Like, it's the mm. same thing. Yeah. And they're all, like, $20 and, like, disposable and, I guess, fun for really, really small kids maybe, but... Like, my daughter doesn't want to play it anymore. Yeah, that makes so the, perfect sense to me. <laughs> yeah, because, I mean, she's already eight. That's already way too old for this. Yeah. So we're kind of telling you about this kind of game. And now we're going to kind of lead you to these other types of games. Uh, some are directed at kids, and some are just games that are super easy to play with kids. And they're fun for adults as well. And even the, the game that's, like, for kids is okay. It's far better than Greedy Granny. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if I had to rank Greedy Granny, one. Yeah, I mean it's not it's not Yeah, it's not even rankable. It's barely con- it's barely a game. It's a game because it's called a game and that is all. It's a yeah, by definition it's a game, but it doesn't make it fun in yeah. any sort of way. And it doesn't teach anything either. Like at no point are you learning any game mechanic, you're learning to count, are you learning anything at all except for to be terrified of Jack in the Boxes. Also, I'm terrified of canned biscuits. Did anyone know that? I have a sincere fear of canned biscuits. It's hilarious. Yeah. When I open canned biscuits, I uh, peel off the outside, and then I toss it at the counter and jump away. <laughs> this is a true story, and my wife makes fun of me for it a yeah, lot. Yeah, she should. Rightfully so. Yeah, I was going to say. You, Rightfully you, so. You definitely deserve all of it, Dave. No, yeah. I feel like 34 is not too old to still be scared of canned biscuits. I no, feel it, like I'm in a is. sweet spot of fear. You are. My eight-year-old likes to open canned biscuits. You are for sure the most scared of the group of us in the group, without a doubt. I'm a delicate little flower. Yes. I know. Yes. Yeah. He needs protecting. My favorite was when we were playing D and D, and then uh, Andy and I kept sharing pictures of scary things in the in the Zoom meeting. <laughs> Yeah, like oh, still pictures. So it's like still pictures. Uh-huh. Yeah, I went. I woke up to pee that night, and I thought I saw that little freaky baby <laughs> in the corner. That's awesome. Hate you guys. Yeah. Job well done, then, folks. Yeah, we did it. <laughs> Curse of Strahd is too scary. Is what I'm <laughs> so the very first game we're going to talk about is designed for kids. This game is put out and should be uh, purchased for kids. This shouldn't be played by just adults. That would be weird. So it's my <laughs> my first Castle Panic. So my first Castle Panic, again, it's not an in-depth game. It's not super hard to play. If you're familiar with Castle Panic, it's like a tower defense game uh, where uh, waves and waves of bad guys come and and you have to strategize to uh, save your castle. Uh, it's a super, co-op. Yeah. It's a co-op. And this is as well. In my first Castle Panic, there's one road leading to this castle. Whereas and, in the base game of Castle Panic, like the adult version, there's mm-hmm. four. Yeah, it's like in quadrants, it's this whole thing. Mm-hmm. And then uh, my first Castle Panic, it reminds me of like Candyland or something like that, where where some of the spaces are colored. And so you flip over a card, and the card, everybody has cards in their hand that can help defeat these monsters coming down the trail. And then you flip over a card, and it tells you what the monsters do, and then they react in that way. And then as a team, you're going to decide, if it's my turn, I can only play my cards but I can decide where to play it by strategizing with the rest of my team. It teaches you cooperation mm-hmm. yeah. and, and all kinds of things like that. It is definitely simplistic. Like most of the time, there is only one choice you can possibly make mm-hmm. due to the cards that you all have. But I really like that it is a kid's game that teaches 
co-op mechanics. Yes. Right. A lot of times when we play, we let Kira make most of the decisions. And then if mm. she's making like a, just a really wrong decision, we'll kind of steer her towards the right one and then just talk about why that might be a better decision than what she was going to do. And she accepts it pretty well. And we've lost this game before. <laughs> it's, I mean, the bad guys can stack up on you sometimes. And if you get some of the specialized bad guys that make them run faster or uh, skip spaces, I mean, you could get backed up and you only have one card to play each turn. Yeah, It is definitely a simple game though. And it almost hits a weird sweet spot where it is very simple in that it's easy to teach kids, but then also has enough meat to it that you can have some good discussions about how to play a good co-op. Right, and it, and it's cheap, which is always good. You want kids' <laughs> games to be cheap because what I've learned from, from having a daughter is there is, like, phases. Like, you can fit this game in a certain phase, but she can quickly outgrow it and be ready for something new. Mm -hmm. It's a tricky thing for sure. So she's kind of past this game now. We still have it, but we don't play it that often. We're, we're on to other things that we'll talk about here. But I guess, do, are we rating this? Do we need to rate this? Um, I don't know if we... I, I got to be honest. I was thinking about this because normally, obviously, we rate games on the podcast. Yeah, right. I'm not sure I even know how to rate this game. Yeah, or kids games in general because they're not for me. And so as much as I at least have the advantage of getting... I've played all these with your daughter, so mm -hmm. at least I've played them with a child. Mm -hmm. I don't know how to rate them. It's kind of difficult because you don't exactly know what's going to be successful for a kid. And like the same criteria that you would use to judge a successful game for a child isn't necessarily the same that you would choose to uh, compare to an adult. I would right. almost say like to rate this game would be more of a description. Like this game is good if you have a child who you can already have full conversations with and help them reason through pro simple problems. Right. Like that is the age range of this child and that is the the kind of child that would thrive best with a game like this. Yeah. And if, maybe also if you have a kid that's not overly competitive because it's co-op, it would work really well for that. Right. If your kid is double digits, like 10 or above, this is too low for them. They should be mm, playing agreed. something else for sure. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. This game, the rest of the games on here, we could probably rate because they're more like aimed at adults that can be played with kids. But this one, I think we're going to just skip on rating because it's just, it's not for us. I don't particularly find the game fun. It's better than Greedy Granny. That's for sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and if you're going to play a co-op with a child child, it works. And that is a thing that I can't really say about any other game. Um, Dan, do you want me to go over the d game notes for it? Oh, man, I would love you to. Okay. My first Castle Panic was published in 2019 by Fireside Games. Uh, the designer was Justin DeWitt, who also published the original Castle Panic, while the art was done by Cam Kendall, uh, who did Dungeon Dice. Yeah, so that's my first Castle Panic. So we're going to move on to some actual adult games that can definitely be played by children. Uh, the first one we're going to talk about is a game called Dream On. Dream On's a pretty cool game. has a big stack of cards with random pictures on it, and these pictures can be really anything. It's uh, pictures of balloons or forest or ufos uh, just crazy stuff yeah ufos yeah. caped superhero a park bench like they're just so various and massive a pair of yeah, dentures flying of, from an old woman's crazy. mouth yeah they <laughs> definitely look like some sort of a thing that aerosmith doing drugs would have written down for sure yeah it, it was it's it's a crazy game so so in this game you have a hand of cards and what you're trying to do you're making a dream and then in the end what you're going to try to do is recall the dream with the group so this is another co-op game 
So when you're making the dream, anyone can go at any time. So you lay down a card, and it could be a carrot, and say, I was dream. this one time I was dreaming about a carrot, and then someone can put down... Treasure chest, and I'll right. say, oh, and I found the carrot inside of a wonderful, beautiful treasure chest. Right. And then it just keeps going like that until this timer runs out, and you're just laying down card after card. And then what you do is you just take the deck and you flip it over so mm -hmm. it's the first card played is the first card on top of the deck. And you go in order. So if I went, uh, if it's my turn, I'll say, okay, I dreamt of a carrot, and I flip it over. If I can't remember what the card is, I could take advice from someone else. And if you take advice from someone else, you get less points for it, but you do get positive points. Mm -hmm. And then if you guess and it's incorrect, you lose points. And then however many points you have at the end of the game is how well you recalled your dream. And it's like some anomalous number. Yeah, so this game is exactly based on that old game where you sit around and you say, I'm going to a picnic and I take grapes. And then the next person has to say, I'm going to a picnic and I take grapes and apples. And you keep going and then you have to keep remembering everything. It's the same concept, except you just have cards and there's an actual point system. Right. It's really fun. I really like this game. We ended up laughing a lot because <laughs> like, you end up saying ridiculous things with the dream and then it's amazing how different people remember it differently when you're trying to go back through especially, it is really funny as i say especially if you've got like a little wild card like kira who's gonna say just kind of like oh, man. yeah whatever crazy thing is on her mind <laughs> yeah playing with kira was a whole fun fun little wrinkle because nothing she made seemed to make sense but i know that in her mind it made perfect sense <laughs> Yeah, and, and that's the thing. Like, you kind of never know what you're going to get. This game teaches a couple things really well, especially for younger kids. It teaches creativity, which is very, very important. Mm -hmm. This is the kind of game where you're kind of never told no. You just play whatever's in your mind, and you get to create this big story with everybody. And then it also helps you with memory, right? Because you're trying to recall these cards that were played. And sometimes this deck can get pretty big, so you're, like, trying oh, to yeah. recall this, like, nonsense story that everyone's put together over two minutes. And it just becomes this this hilarious mess. Well, and the scoring <laughs> system, it's one of those games where at the end of it, you, like, count up the score, and then you read your score and see, like, what rank the game gives you. Mm hmm and I remember we thought we did, like, really, really well one time. And according to the game, it was still a horrible rank. So I don't know how good the playtesters were for this game, but they were drastically better than us. Yeah, yeah they yeah. remembered everything. <laughs> and, mm. and made stories much, much swifter than we managed it. Yeah, it's great. I love the art on the cards, too. The art on the cards is so fun and oh, interesting yeah. to look it's, at. It's so whimsical. Yeah. And it's such an easy travel game, too. Like, you could easily go out... Well, well, remember back when you could go out to restaurants, guys? <laughs> no, I Ooh. don't actually recall that. Oh, I remember. One day I in remember. the future, you, one day in the future, you could go out. I don't know to a public place, <laughs> sit at a table in a public arena. It's just a small deck of cards in a little pack, so it's like the easiest thing to just bring out and play a couple rounds of. Yeah, it's. We took it to a winery one time, and we were playing it around a bunch of people, and they're all looking at us like we're idiots because we are. But that's <laughs> fun another thing. Idiots. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Idiots with uh, idiots with fun on their mind, which is all you can really ask for in this life. That's all you can ask for from a bunch of idiots. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's Dream On. Mark, what do you have to say about it? Well, Dream On was published in 2017 by Simon Games and Broadway Toys. Mm -hmm. uh, some sort of partnership there. The game itself was designed by Alexandra Droit Dois, maybe. Okay. Uh, he designed Utaka, which I looked at on BGG today. Uh, it looks like it'd totally be up my alley. Very nature-based. Looks like a lot of fun. 
Uh, and then the other designer was uh, Julian Prothier. Uh, Prothier? Yeah, let's go Prothier. <laughs> and, uh, sure. He designed uh, the game called Cruise, which I'd never seen before. And then the art was done by Valentina Moskin, uh, who uh, designed or who did the art for Dungeon Bazaar. Mm, I've never seen that. But the art in this is really good. I yeah. really like the art. It's really nice. So let's talk about a score for this game. We're going to score this game on a scale from 1 to 10. We're talking about Dream On. A scale from 1 to 10, but you can't use 7 because that's a cop-out. So, uh, Mark, how many nightmares would you give Dream On <laughs> on a scale of 1 to 10, but not using 7? Oh, this was a, actually, a, this game was a lot of fun. That gives you a ton of replayability. Uh, I could picture there being a pretty good uh, opportunity for expansions, just to with more cards and stuff to add on to it. Overall, mm. I'm going to have to give it a 6 nightmares out of 10. 6 mm. nightmares out of 10. Dave Hubbard, what about you? For Dream On, t- <laughs> 1 to 10, not <laughs> using 7, how many nightmares out of 10 would you give it? Normally don't have nightmares because I stay away from scary things mm-hmm. right. uh, in most of my life. But not, this game... Not in Curse of Strahd, you don't. Eight, yeah, not Curse of Strahd. <laughs> uh, solid 8. This game is a lot of fun. I For like just a, such a simple party game, we pulled it out actually at an event Dan and I were at with a bunch of non gamers and played it with like seven people at the same time and everyone picked up on the concept immediately and there was a lot of laughing and just hanging out and drinking some wine actually that was also at a winery come to think of it yeah (laughs) and uh it was a ton of fun so yeah solid eight this game is just easy fun and i can't imagine it's overly expensive probably 15 20 bucks yeah for me dream on out of 10 nightmares not using seven i would give it an eight also i really like this game again it's very easy to play with children uh, they're just adding to a story, and uh, we all know children's creativity is like way bigger than most adults. So mm-hmm. they just add craziness to this game. It's a lot of fun to play, and it's easy to introduce, super easy to teach too. I definitely recommend Dream On. Yeah, so, I don't really have anything bad to say about it, honestly. No, like it's, it's just a fun game. It's fun. Yeah, it's just fun. I I don't know. It's I nice. like games, and this one's a game, and it's fun. <laughs> it's nice. This is a game. This is fun. <laughs> It's nice for kids to be able to like stretch their imagination like that, especially right now where they're kind of cooped up inside all the time and maybe they're not getting like all the stimulation that they would normally get. Just having the ability to like take the mind for a walk would be probably a really good enough reason to buy this game as it was. For oh, sure. yeah, and there's no real problem solving. There's none of that. But man, talk about something that, that's perfect to take a kid, get them away from screens and just work on memory and imagination for a couple minutes in an easy, fun activity. Yeah, it's it's a fun game. We definitely recommend it to, to everybody out there. Another game we played is Draftosaurus. So Draftosaurus is a dinosaur drafting game. I, uh, it's sort of like a dinosaur drafting dinosaur placement game? Yeah, yeah it's, it's kind a, of hard to describe. It's a dino builder, dino deck. Yeah. for sure yeah, drafting. Boy. I know what What's important here is that there's dinosaurs and there's a bag and you reach your hand in that bag. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's yeah. what I care about. Uh-huh. Yeah. You know, if you've listened to this podcast, we are very pro hands in bags. Yeah. And the fact that it, their dinosaurs are all little wooden pieces, like wooden meeple oh, dinosaurs so good. is awesome. Cause that means they can't even get like weird and foldy because of our sweaty hands in the bag. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. The only way you can uh, mess these dinosaurs up is if you accidentally snap one in half, like with our big, Oh, that'd be man. tough though. Jimmy That's tough. These are nice. Fingers. These are well made. I know. They're, these yeah, are these well are made. Nice, very high these quality. Are bulky wooden meeple dinosaurs. Mm. Yeah, so in, in dinosaur uh dinos draftosaurus, good lord. <laughs> in draftosaurus, 
<laughs> you pick a certain amount of dinosaurs, and the dinosaurs are little sculpted meeples, and they're very specific. They're different colors and very easy to see. And then each player has their own dinosaur theme park map in front of them, and you just take turns rolling a dice, and the dice tells you where you have to place that dinosaur in your park, or it gives you some sort of direction, some restrictions to where you have to place it. So then you place your dinosaur wherever you want, and then you're passing your handful of dinosaurs to the next person. Mm -hmm. And then they're stuck with whatever dinosaurs you just had. And then you just keep doing that, and you do it like three rounds, and then you add up victory points at the end. There's not a ton of places to place it, and it's a really easy concept to pick up for kids. This is a little more advanced than something like Dream On or My First Castle Panic. Mm -hmm. you have to and it's way more advanced than something like Greedy Granny. Yes. It's light years <laughs> past what Greedy <laughs> Granny is. You have to do things like make decisions and think. <laughs> if I took apart Greedy Granny, if I grabbed a screwdriver and I took apart, and then I said Greedy Granny is now a game where we can play it, but you have to put it together first. Now that's on the level of draft. <laughs> yes, yes. Mm -hmm. So you just have to ex you just have to explain like where you can place these dinosaurs, and each different dinosaur pin has a different rule to it. So uh, sometimes it's like the fields of friendship, two of the same kind. Yeah, yeah. There's two dinosaurs of the same kind. There's a field where only one T Rex can go, or <laughs> all the dinosaurs have to be different, or all dinosaurs have to be the same. Mm -hmm. And so it teaches you like matching and strategy and things like that. But it's pretty easy to pick up. Mm -hmm. Yeah, none of it is difficult at all but it is all about maximizing your score at the end so like the entire time you're drafting dinosaurs you're constantly thinking about what risk do i want to take now to see if i can maximize my end score so it's definitely a game where you're planning an okay amount but the randomness of the drafting the dinosaurs impacts your planning right. a decent amount as well it's really interesting i actually like this game a fair amount like it's not world breaking or anything and it's cheap it's like 25 dollars, i think but it's fun it's a fun little strategy game and it's easy to play and it's easy to teach so you can teach children or you could teach non-gamers really easily how to play this game yeah, and you it taught us dumb dumb so it can't be that hard <laughs> oh my gosh and it only took us like four hours to understand how to play it yeah it's very uh, true <laughs> <laughs> it's only because I kept trying to put the meeples up my nose. Yeah, you did it was like no, Mark. Obnoxious. No, there's a virus coming. <laughs> <laughs> it was such simpler times back then. Oh, yeah, the good old days. We're just trying to get you ready for it, and you just wouldn't have it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Sounds about right. We were playing a game based on creatures that got wiped out. Maybe that's it was true. Just foreshadowing <laughs> i guess that all makes sense kind uh, of that's uncomfortable anyway so kids games yeah <laughs> yeah so kids game speaking of genocide kids games uh, <laughs> so mark do you have information about uh draftosaurus i do so draftosaurus was published in 2019 by our good friends over at ancama games it was designed by antoine bauza uh see last week's episode where we talked about hanabi which he also designed Cor uh, it was also designed by Corentin labrat who designed bienvenue abroad Ludovic Maublanc, uh, who designed Conan, and Theo Rivier, uh, who designed Sea of Clouds. It's a real, it's a real who's who of names that are impossible for my Oklahoma mouth to pronounce. You know, that's my favorite thing about you always being the one who has to do the research. <laughs> mm -hmm. A, it's that I don't have to do the research myself. Right. But B, it's listening to you pronounce these names. Yeah, it's... And I'm not saying I would do better. I just enjoy that I don't have yeah, to. Like... Yeah, I don't think I'd do better, but I do like to hear you, like, struggle through Oh, it. boy, you guys, I'm not even going to tell you about the artists who do this game, because it's going <laughs> to... I need to... I'm gonna 
gonna, I need to know. I'm gonna put I'm gonna put some Oklahoma spice on these boys. All right, so there's it's <laughs> all right, so for the artist who did this game, uh it's Xiahua Eva Gao who did Okay, that Kingdom just sounded Run. like you were chewing you were chewing snails while trying to say his name. Oh, it's a lady. Thank you very he was. much. Oh, her oh, name. So Come sorry. on, Dave. If you couldn't tell by my mangled pronunciation of this poor woman's name. <laughs> who she uh, she designed Kingdom Run, and then uh, the only other artist on the game was Vipin Alex Jacob. Who uh, this was his only game. Wait, what was Vipin? Vipin. What was the first name? Vipin. V I P I N. Alex Jacob. Oh man. Yeah, I like that. Yeah. I like the sound. All that. It's good. Yeah, maybe Vipin. Maybe. Yeah, let's cool go. Name. Let's go Vipin. The art on this game is fine though. Like it's good. It's everything is very easy to see where it all is on the board. We forgot that you could put stuff in the yeah. river the first time we Yeah. Played. I love putting dinosaurs <laughs> Pretty, in the river. It's so great. Yeah. Not me. That's the worst. That's the down worst the way river. to maximize your score. Yep. Yep. Down the river dinosaur. My park is so successful that they live in a van down by the river. <laughs> oh, poor Chris Farley. <laughs> so <laughs> uh, speaking of things that are extinct. Oh, oh no. Oh, that's too terrible. soon. No. Oh, no. Nah. Okay. I'm sorry about that guys that's true monster (laughs) (laughs) i really like that all the meeples are a bright different color too yeah like as much as they're all a different design of of dinosaur they're so easy to tell apart like this game from a art perspective when it comes to like ease of gameplay does a great job yeah and we should say that there's two maps like the cardstock or it's it's like a square cardboard you flip it over there's like a winter map that there's some different rules and things on there so there adds some to uh replayability on that mm-hmm. that front as well let's uh rank draftosaurus out of how many meteors out of 10 would you <laughs> give draftosaurus but you can't use seven meteors because it wasn't seven uh dave how many meteors out of 10 would you give this man that's tough honestly once again i gotta go eight I think this game hit the perfect sweet spot for length as well. Yeah. Which is something we didn't really mention. But, like, it was really easy to quickly play through a couple games of this. Scoring was simple, didn't take long at all, and it came with a sheet. Yep. So I always love games that do that, that come with a score sheet, that break down all the different sections, that make scoring really, really simple. Because if I have a game that I sit there forever at the end doing lots and lots of math. Listening to Mark do math out loud? Yeah. Yes, listening to Mark nonstop say out loud numbers. You're going to want that in your life. That's all I'm going to (laughs) say. I, so I really appreciated that, which is really the thing that bumped it from the 6 to the 8 for me, is that they included that just wonderful ease-of-life play mechanic. Yeah, yeah, for sure. For Draftosaurus, I'm also going to give it 8 out of 10 meteors, not using 7. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it seems wrong, but I mean, this is millions of years ago, right? So it's fine. <laughs> yeah. I mean. uh, you mean when the meteor hit hit the side of the Earth and then flung them off because the Earth spun like a coin? Yeah. You know, because it's flat? That's how it works. It skipped them off just like a <laughs> rock across a river. <laughs> oh, nothing's worse than getting ejected into space with a sore bum bum because you got skipped across the oh, planet. Yeah. It's the worst. Yeah. We can make jokes like that because if millions of years ago or whatever is too soon, then, I mean, we can't make jokes about it. You know what? I apologize to all of our dinosaur mm-hmm. listeners. I agree. I And just for you, we're going to review another dinosaur game here in just a minute. That's uh, true, actually. <laughs> Mark, how many meteors out of 10 would you give Draftosaurus not using 7? Draftosaurus was a lot of fun i had a really pretty decent time playing it um i liked the art quite a bit the only thing i would ding it for is the names of the fields made it incomprehensible like to know exactly what should be going where Uh, and i feel like the iconography was just a little confusing for me and kira 
and mostly me. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, but even with all that, like, I still like the meeples. I still like the basic gameplay. I mean, I wish I wish I just had those little meeples all over the house. I'd hide them everywhere. So it'd be an absolute delight for me every single time I found one. But uh, I'm going to give it a... And you stepped on one. Yeah, I'm going to give it an eight as well. hey three eights. Yeah. And, uh, Look at us go. Yeah, it's a good time. And before we move on to the next game, I'm curious, could we get okay. uh, a list of favorite dinosaurs? I, You know, I've always been a pterodactyl fan. Uh, yeah, that, that I, sounds about right for you, Hubbard, honestly. I used to lay around and watch <laughs> birds all the time, and I just, I, I think it would be so cool to just suddenly see, like, this this thing with, like, a 30-foot wingspan just flying over my house. Such a weird thing to terrifying. say. It's so weird. What do you mean you just laid around and watched birds you've never just like laid outside and watched birds fly no no I, I no i will sit been interested in the gracefulness yeah of their I'll, i listen pads, i'm a bird no? guy too dave but i've never laid outside to do it i usually like sit or like stand <laughs> up and watch them you know i'm not much of a lay outside guy mostly because of all the bugs <laughs> <laughs> and how quickly you get sunburned <laughs> yeah that too despite them being terrible herbivores I like myself a triceratops. Yeah. Oh, okay, yeah. I get behind that. I also. Is it the fact that you really like the three horns? Like that I, just draws you in. I think they're just like tough. Like even a T Rex is like, ah, that thing's gonna gore me if I try to yeah. eat it. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's that thing's gonna trident it's me. Too much. Yeah, and <laughs> I am not. I'm gonna find something <laughs> with a softer head to eat. Yeah. I also I also like a triceratops. So that's a good pick, Dan. Have you seen the Styracosaurus, oh, which has got like? Oh. It's like the more metal no, triceratops I'm, with like. Horns all no, over. No, I'm not thrill. a nerd. Oh my gosh, I'm a I'm a huge dinosaur <laughs> <Yeah>. nerd. <laughs> For myself, I'm gonna go with another filthy herbivore and uh, give me yeah, an ankylosaurus for sure. Like the armor plated one. I don't one, know what that is. It's, it's got armor all over its back and it's got the club for a tail. Oh, okay. Yeah. I'm just gonna type in armor dinosaur. Yeah. Hold on. <laughs> oh yeah. What is it called? Ankylosaurus. Yeah. It looks oh, like a. Oh, it's got spikes all down its yeah. back. Yeah. It looks like a giant armadillo. Yeah. But more it, awesome. It's more metal. Oh, pretty metal for tail? sure. Yeah. 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 How do I play this as a character in D and D? It looks like uh, it's starting to be a turtle, but it still has a club for a tail, and it could hurt you. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Yeah, it don't fool around. It eats plants, but also it will kill you. It'll it'll kill you for getting too close to its fern. <laughs> hey, back off. I'm eating this here. This is my fern. I'm eating here. Don't even look at it. Don't, don't think about it. I'm going to club you to death. That's my fern. I told you once before not to come near it. Now you're back. I told you. We don't mess around with ferns around listen, here. Listen, there's a reason they call me Kin Griffey, okay? I'm going to just bash your brains in. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that joke doesn't oh. make sense on so many levels. No, it doesn't. <laughs> I would have thought you would have gone like, uh, who's that lady that broke the figure skater's knees? Oh. Tara Lipinski. Oh, Tanya Harding. No, Nancy Kerrigan. Oh, yeah, Tanya, Tanya Harding. It was Nancy Kerrigan's Nancy Kerrigan's leg. Yeah, it was Nancy Kerrigan's yeah, the Tanya leg, Harding and it was Tanya busted. Harding's bat. Do you think she hired a dinosaur to do that? I now believe she might have. <laughs> After all, lizard people we talked about the last episode. <laughs> I haven't seen any evidence that she didn't, so, you know, it has to be yeah. true. Yeah, I can't prove that a dinosaur didn't do it. Yeah. Therefore, it is plausible. Oh, man. What, dinosaurs don't still live because I've never seen oh. one? I've never seen a million dollars, but I know that's real. Dave, it's, it's crazy I didn't put it together. There is apparently a bunch of pterodactyl <laughs> sightings that are happening in North Carolina right now during the coronavirus what, epidemic. What is what is this? It's like just what is this nonsense? It's just a group of people who've all been reporting sightings of pterodactyls flying in North Carolina. It's so weird. That's so specific. Why are they saying pterodactyls and not huge birds? Because I think they. We've all seen enough fantasy media that we know what 
a pterodactyl looks like. I know, but like that's your first thing. Like the most irrational thing is your first thought. Hold on, I'm pulling up a news story right now. Charlotte stories. Oh my god, tell me. <laughs> All right, hold on. Let's go tell to the... me everything about pterodactyl sightings. So the Charlotte Observer. So are they so are they seeing airplanes and they think they're pterodactyls? <laughs> tell, tell me all about this. This is insane to me. Okay. Yeah. Also, North Carolina is only like an eight-hour drive from us. So Let's. Really, like we're guys, not that far removed. Do you guys want to go on a pterodactyl hunt? Yes. Yeah. Uh, we're gonna start like the pterodactyl 911, like the Bigfoot <laughs> sightings people, except for pterodactyls. We're like the ghost hunters of pterodactyls. <laughs> oh my god. That'd be Just great. pterodactyls there. I a don't... lot of jostling cameras and nighttime shoots. Okay. Oh yeah, well you could only see them at night. So it was <laughs> it was reported in the Carolina the Charlotte Observer, and then this story itself is from the uh, it made the paper the News Observer. It made two papers. It's all about this woman who's 20 years old who said she was sitting at a North oh. Raleigh bus stop and saw a pterosaur flying through the air. Quote: It had a long tail with a diamond-shaped bulb on it. It was dark brown. What? Let's it was here. dark brown. Dark brown. Quote, it had oh, this weird crest. I drew a picture of it. That While not, quote, absolutely impossible, living pterosaurs are highly unlikely, said Matt Cartmill, professor emeritus <laughs> of evolutionary anthropology at Duke University. Quote, I can't believe that if you there were what? living pterosaurs in North guy. America, three centuries of naturalists, explorers, farmers, hunters, trappers, and biologists would never have run across a single specimen, living or dead. Yeah, so, but this 20-year-old at a bus stop in Charlotte saw one? And it's not just, yeah, it's not just her. There's, they're being seen all over the state. There's another sighting near North Raleigh. There's a sighting, sighting near Charlotte. It, it's so weird. It's such a crazy story. I, I was just like, it, I can't believe I didn't think of it as soon as Dave said his favorite favorite dinosaur was a pterodactyl. Guys, did we just become a conspiracy podcast? Well, yep. we've been honestly leaning. Change of format. <laughs> We've been leaning that way for a little bit now. I mean, between the lizard folk talk and the pterosaur talk, and we kind of got uncomfortably into 5G conspiracy last week, too. I don't know. I wasn't uncomfortable. If you had to rank a pterodactyl sighting in North Carolina out of 10, but you can't use 7. Oh, it's 10, for sure. Like Like how likely it is? Yeah, how likely oh, it is. Oh, how likely or how awesome Can we awesome go it would negative? Be? I don't know. You can't prove to me it didn't happen. That's true. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> it could have been a parallel dimension that perhaps okay. uh, the barrier wore thin between our dimension and theirs. And so it just kind of like See, flew I... into Car- Carolina. And like, I don't know. That's... What you're no, choosing no, no. is even something more far-fetched than what's been claimed. I mean, I'm not sure. Mark, that's I'll... dumb. You see, time is cyclical. And what she was seeing was a shadow of the past. Okay. <laughs> Oh, I like that. Which is much more plausible. Yeah. I like that shadow of the past. Ooh. All right, all right. So that was Draftosaurus. If you do happen to see a pterosaur and you get a photo of it, please send it to randomdrawpodcast at gmail.com. That'd be totally awesome. Thank you so much. Man, even if you didn't see one, if you can somehow recreate something, that would be Mm -hmm. fantastic. What I really want is just a photoshopped pterosaur that will make me believe that they exist. Thank you. No, I want it badly photoshopped, but I'm still going to (laughs) believe. If it's bad enough photoshopped, I'll put it on our Instagram page and make bold (laughs) claims. The last game we played was a game called Dinosaur Tea Party. So Dinosaur Tea Party is kind of reminiscent of the game Guess Who? Yeah, kind of? Yeah. Yeah, like at its foundation with a lot of stuff added to it. In Dinosaur Tea Party, you'll have a grid of dinosaurs, and you're, you have a character that is one of those dinosaurs. And these dinosaurs are all dressed real fancy. Mm-hmm. They have yeah. monocles and top hats and 
They're really gussied up for this tea party. And some of them have pets. Yeah, they have a accoutrement, if you will. Right. So you, <laughs> uh, there's like this series of clues that you can ask about. That you could ask about pets, about glasses, about their hair, about their clothes. So you're trying to narrow down which of the dinosaurs these people are. And as soon as your dinosaur gets guessed, you just draw another card. You're not eliminated, Ernie. And then whoever gets the most at the end of the game wins. But it's funny because you're, the game suggests you uh, talk in a very fancy voice. So when mm, you're mm. when you're asking these questions, you should be like, oh, hello, dear. Uh, may I inquire about the pet you've brought tonight? The person would respond in light. Um, yes, this is uh, Cletus, my lovely terriosaur. He's been with me for about a fortnight now, and I thoroughly enjoy his company. <laughs> that was really good. So now, that was really good, Dave. So now, <laughs> so now I know Dave's character has a pet, so I would put a pet pet token next to Dave so I know that everybody knows that his character now has a pet. Mm -hmm. And, and the tokens were a nice addition because there was a lot of different information about a lot of different dinosaurs going on. Right. So it was nice to just be able to look over at someone and go, okay, we already know that your dinosaur has a pet and it does not have a green wallpaper in the background. So I won't ask either of those. I'll ask something else. Yeah. It sounds so dumb, but the best part of it is really talking in like the fancy voice. Oh, for Absolutely. sure. Absolutely. <laughs> we laughed a lot. We kept making up ridiculous names and backstories for stuff right. that was not necessary to the gameplay at all. But isn't that ultimately the point of a game is to have a lot of fun with your friends? And this game would hope. encouraged that aspect of it a lot. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm always playing to win the game, right? Like I always want to mm -hmm. win the game. But I want to have fun doing it. Like if my me trying to win the game overshadows the fun, what's the point of me doing this anymore? Oh, absolutely. At what cost? <laughs> but at what cost? <laughs> but at, I've but won the cost? game, but at what cost? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Totally. Well, and the thing is, I have no idea who won any. And I think we played two games of that. And I have no idea who won either of them, but I can tell you I had a ton of fun and laughed a lot the entire time. Mm -hmm. Especially Kira. Yeah, it's Kira a funny... was cute as a button playing this game. Oh, man. Yeah, she yeah because so she was seven this was a couple months ago. So she was seven at the time, and she was she hears all us doing the voices, so she's going to do the voices too. And that was the best part. It's so funny because <laughs> she doesn't have as much of a reference as we do. So she's her reference is us, and we're <laughs> Which already is terrible. doing terrible. Yeah, we're already doing a bad job. Right. So it's, but again, this this is another one of those games that teach deduction. It teaches uh, memory and uh, how to get to the bottom of something. And it, it's a fun game. It's a fun little game, and it's silly. Yeah. Yeah. You basically end up winning, I guess, by correctly guessing who each person is. And then once you get a certain number, I don't even remember how many, but once you get a certain number of correct guesses, then you win the game. Right. And it's over, and you can just reshuffle, redeal out in the cards into a grid, and then play again. Yeah, it's silly. It's silly and easy. It's silly and good fun. Plus, the art is so good on it, too. The art was really, really good. And everything, like the card stock and everything was really good. The cardboard tiles that you give to people, all really good stuff. It, it, and again, it's a pretty cheap game. Yeah. I will say one of the only criticisms I had was all of the tokens that you give to people to keep track of what clues we found out about their dinosaur. They're very small, and they're often sort of hard to see if you're not sitting right next to the person. Yeah. So I ended up making a lot of guesses to the people next to me purely because I had no idea what was 
going on with other people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's, yeah, it's, a, it, it's it, a tea party, so you don't want to get in people's face. I mean, what a faux pas! No, what a faux pas that would be. Oh, oh my gosh, gosh you, for sure, yeah. you dirty monster! Why would you do that? <laughs> I mean, that's what happens when you just start letting anybody into these tea parties. Oh man, and I heard uh, Winston had plesiosaur pox the other oh, day, so boy. you no. certainly don't want to go near him. Yeah, oh, you want to. No. Yeah, you want to go at least twelve feet away from Winston. <laughs> That's the worst joke. Uh, <laughs> was it, was so, it really yeah, worse a, than Chris Farley, Dan? I mean, taste-wise, no. <laughs> <laughs> Let's – oh, Mark, tell us about Dinosaur Tea Party. Oh, shoot. I almost forgot all about it. Uh, Dinosaur Tea Party was published in 2018. It was published by Restoration Games. Another – man, I tell you, I, I feel like we should just do a whole episode on Restoration Games one time. I, I bet that would yeah, be a good episode. They do episode. good stuff. Um, designed by Rob Devial, who da- who designed Downforce and Pandemic Legacy. Uh, it was also designed by oh, Downforce. Uh, J.R. Honeycutt, who okay. did Fireball Island, and then Justin D. Jacobson, who did Downforce and Fireball Island as well. So it was a real team team effort there over at Restoration Games. And then the art was done by Matios – ready for this? Gebra Le- yes. <laughs> Gebra Salasi? Gebra Salasi. Uh-huh. Matthias Gabrielsson. Yeah. You know, the problem is you say these things, and I want to go. You nailed it, but I have no idea no, if you no, nailed just, it or not. Just you assume I, I didn't nail I it. I assume you nailed yeah, it. Yeah, no, no, no. Mm-hmm. No, I assume you did nail it. I mean, it's very, very sweet and kind of you. Uh, and he did the art for a previous <laughs> ep- for a previous game we covered, uh, Chronicles of Crime, and then uh, Jason oh, Taylor, okay. who also helped out with the art, and he did the art for uh, Downforce as well. Yeah, the art is fantastic. I would say of all the games we talked about, this by far has the best and most unique and interesting art. Mm-hmm. It also so makes sense that it does given the gameplay itself right because yeah you definitely want to um, make everything very uh, different when you're looking at it because you have a lot of questions got a lot uh, of questions about your hairstyle and your pet <laughs> and your glasses yeah. your dino glasses are you uh this game raised eater? a lot of questions but it was more about what accents you chose to do based upon the dinosaur you were playing mm-hmm. yeah how accidentally <laughs> vaguely racist your accents yeah, are. yeah I mean well and you know what was funny too is sometimes someone would do an accent and you would sort of look around at all the dinosaurs they could be and go Mm -hmm. i think it's that one not based upon any deduction (laughs) from gameplay but based upon the weird accent they're trying to pull off yeah just the the voice they're using i hate it yeah i mean unless you were like me in which case every dinosaur sounded like mrs doubtfire (laughs) hello hello well, there was one, I think Dan might have done it, and he sounded like Colonel Sanders. <laughs> and and I looked around, and there was a dinosaur that looked a little like Colonel Sanders. <laughs> and I was like, clearly it's that one. Oh, like, man. I should guess things on principle, yeah, yeah. but... <laughs> I say, I say, I say gather around the table, and let me tell you a story about <laughs> life in the service and the dinosaur military during the Civil War. That's Foghorn Leghorn, Mark. I know. That's Which is also kind of Colonel Sanders. Definitely, yeah, I, I'd accept it. I'd, I'd say it. it's Sanders adjacent <laughs> for sure <laughs> it's better than your normal bernie sanders <laughs> that's true, true which is a whole different sanders yeah, it's a whole different whole different ball game that bernie sanders. so for dinosaur tea party how many uh, kfc buckets of chicken would you give dinosaur tea party out of 10 not using seven i'll go first on this one I think I'll give Dinosaur Tea Party 6 out of 10 KFC buckets. Uh, It's fun. It's not the game I want to play a lot, but it is certainly fun for my daughter, and it's really silly to do the voices. The art and everything is really fantastic. So I'm going to give it 6 out of 10. Mark, how many Dinosaur Tea Party KFC (laughs) 
<laughs> boxes would you give Dinosaur Tea Party out of 10? Hmm, interesting. I'm interested, I'm, I'm, kind of, I'm interested that you gave it a 6. This is the game I probably felt the most like firmly an 8 on, uh, which is going to be really? reflected uh -huh. in my assignment of the 8. It was a great time. Yeah. The art was really fun. <laughs> foreshadowing. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was the worst foreshadowing of all time. Guys. You said what you were going to do, and then you did it. Guys, <laughs> lunacy. I don't, it's not how foreshadowing works. I don't know what you want from me. It's not like I'm a writer You were supposed to hint at your score, like, oh, I'm not going to give this a six and then you give it an eight <laughs> don't just say the number and then give it that number yeah well there you go i gave it an eight i'm not good at foreshadowing but i am good at enjoying kentucky fried chicken dinosaurs yeah so give me, uh, give me eight dave like how that. many it's a good game dave how many kfc buckets out of ten not using seven <laughs> would you give dinosaur tea party i gotta go with dan on this one but for a very different reason so i really did enjoy this game a lot and i'm gonna give it a six and the main reason i downgraded a little bit is purely because i feel like i've now experienced that game so i ran through all the voices that i could possibly think of <laughs> and i heard you guys do pretty much the same Mrs. and it was a ton of fun like yeah it was a lot of fun while it lasted we laughed a lot but i don't see this as having really much replay value purely because like i'm tapped out this this game has a similar problem uh oh man i'm gonna bring up a game i can't remember the title to but the game where we make the dinosaur noises like oh yeah yeah i'm gonna was, make the same voice myself too yeah i'm gonna make the same voice for the same character if i get it and i just mm -hmm. can't help myself because that's what how my brain works and i'm not creative enough to change it yeah i'm not a professional thespian <laughs> <laughs> i can barely talk when i'm just using my own brain mm -hmm. exactly yeah for sure but that's Dinosaur Tea Party. So those are just a, a small sample. And all you have to do really is a little bit of research. And there's tons of games that are uh, aimed at adults, but you could play with your kids really easily. And even some kids' games out there could be fun for adults. But I, I kind of just recommend that unless your child's really small, I would kind of steer them away from games like uh, Greedy Granny and stuff like that because it's not really fun and it's not going to last them very long. And it's not going to teach and, them anything. Yeah, it's, they're going to learn absolutely nothing uh, about gaming or life or anything else. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the type of child that plays this game when they're very small grows up and then they're afraid of biscuit rolls. And, <laughs> and then, old people. And old people. <laughs> and they, they, they're not well-adjusted people. Yeah, that's true. I'm sorry that some of us weren't former marines dan yeah i have a whole nother weird set of fears that you guys don't have to experience don't you worry so every week we do a topic we pick a topic and we talk about it this week we're gonna pick kind of like if we could build a kid's game what would be like our ideal kid's game to build like what would be fun for us what would be interesting for us to build um does anyone want to go first anyone have a really doozy no one <laughs> Go for it. Crickets. Oh, me? Oh, boy. Okay, I'll go first. So I haven't nailed down exactly, like, what, like, if I want it to be after something else. So I want a kid's dungeon crawl. So, mm -hmm. I mean, it's going to be violent, but what are you going to do? I don't, I mean, <laughs> 2020. I mean, it could be, like, cartoony. It doesn't yeah, it's going to be cartoony. It's not going to be, like, Kingdom Death Monster type of stuff. Oh, yeah. yeah. That's I mean, too much so, for me. You even look at, like, uh, what's that one game we covered on the podcast? Uh, Stuff Fables, where it was kind of a dungeon yeah. crawler, but it was, like, mm. they had, yeah. like, little suction cups. I mean, there's way to, ways you could do weapons that aren't particularly violent. So I think what I would make is I would make, 
like my first Imperial Assault. <laughs> oh, that's okay. fun. But yeah, that's I would make it I would make it like my first Clone Wars. And I would mm. make the minis look like the Clone Wars, like the animated series The Clone Wars, because they're more cartoony and, and easier yeah. to approach. That shows has some serious parts. I would want it like that. And it's it's an easy level up system. It's a really easy game to play. Uh, not yeah, maybe too many you just dice. have like one power and one weapon, and right. they only have one ability each. And yeah, and you can you can unlock uh, new weapons, just a single upgrade. You're not uh, adding anything crazy. Like I have a blaster now, my blaster rolls two dice instead of one dice. It just easy stuff like that. But really, I think it would be fun to have it very thematic. Imperial Assault's pretty thematic by itself. But instead of I don't want it app driven per se, but I guess mm -hmm. that's the easiest way to do it. But I want it to be like a cooperative experience so that an adult can play with a kid and they can join teams. So the dad's mm -hmm. not constantly crushing their daughter or whatever the whole time and just laughing in her face. And like, yeah, yeah. This is not probably the Empire wins would... again, idiot. <laughs> this is probably not a game you would want like an overlord type situation where you, the parents are acting right. competitively against the kid. Yeah, but that'd right. be like a lot of fun, like a nice dungeon crawler like that kind of builds out like as you explore the board because... Then the kid's kind of interested in seeing the story and how it all kind of unfolds as you move around the board. Exactly. And you could you could follow. I mean, there's so many Star Wars stories to follow out there. So it's kind of endlessly updatable. And yeah. uh, but I think that would be really fun just because it's cartoony. It's just cartoony enough that kids will like it. And it's got that Star Wars theme that could get people really involved. Exactly. So if some game company wants to make this. I call dibs, so I'll sue you. <laughs> yeah, according to the dib system, which we have never seen violated in board game history, Dan right. has the idea for this, and you must like pay him to make this game for you. Yeah, if I call. One thing I know it's that Disney does not have enough lawyers <laughs> to take us on. Yeah, no way. I Your said Honor. it on the internet on a podcast, so clearly I have international dibs. Joanna, I'm just a small town southern lawyer, but my client did expressly call dibs on episode 27 of his podcast. <laughs> That's, I think that would be a really fun game, something like that. I'm a big fan of dungeon crawl games in general. Like, I always am up for a new dungeon crawl. Yeah. And, oh, yeah. Uh, that sounds like a lot of fun. Yeah, and I like theme. Like, if you can give me a dungeon crawl with a lot of theme, I'm in. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so that's that's my idea. Follow that, idiots. Okay. I like it. Cool. I will. I'll follow. I'll, 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 follow I'll go next. Oh, fine. Yeah. Come at me now. Go ahead, Mark. Come at me now, son. <laughs> uh, I think I kind of came up with my best idea uh, when I texted it to you guys earlier, <laughs> where I said... I still think you should use it. It was pretty fun. Yeah, yeah I, I thought think, it was good. I, I think I'm absolutely going to use it. I, I, I decided I would try to design a game very similar to Viticulture, like it would be my first Viticulture, where instead of making wine, uh, your child... <laughs> or children who are playing uh, make juice boxes instead. Uh, they like so you have to smash the grapes and they put it in like little juice boxes and it has a lot of the the same problem solving strategies that you would need for, you know, just like how to manage like a finite number of resources. Like where am I going to put my little workers at? How am I going to get them to work together? But the workers would be other children. Yeah, well, of course. Of course. Yeah. My first sugarcane field. Oh. It's, on, it's on an island. Oh, no. Oh, boy. Yeah. No. My first banana republic. Yeah. Oh, it'll be perfect. I, I hate everything about this. So, <laughs> moving on, you could easily... Uh, <laughs> 
<laughs> you could easily have like a really like stripped down version of viticulture, even to the point where you have like different visitors who could let you do different things. And honestly, like one of my favorite things about viticulture is the sense of accomplishment that you have when you start from nothing and then you fulfill that first order. A lot I've of sold kids... one white juice box. Yeah, I think for yeah, a lot of kids... I sold one apple juice box or whatever. Yeah, I think for a lot of kids, it would ha- give them the opportunity to, like, move it out of the abstract and have a concrete, like, finished product that they could look on and be like, hey, like, at the beginning of the game, I didn't even have any grapes planted, but now I have, I've made a juice box, and that's really cool. And for those kids that want to maximize profits, they don't actually use fruit juice, they use, like, an extract mm-hmm. and just tons of corn syrup. <laughs> yeah, it was naturally and artificially flavored. Yeah. <laughs> That's how you make the Better real money. Better known as flavored. <laughs> That's how you make the real money. Yes. Uh, that's a reference to something that if you listen to the end of the podcast, you'll hear about. <laughs> that's my favorite thing about our podcast is we reference stuff that we've already talked about. So here's a fun inside look at our podcast. So we start recording before, and then Dave does editing magic, and he takes that stuff we said before, and he puts it at the end so that the continuity is insane to people <laughs> listening, but it makes sense to us. Well, otherwise, every podcast would start with 10 minutes of us rambling about nonsense. Yeah, you don't yeah. want Which, that. Nobody Which wants that. As of, well, as of now, it usually starts with like three minutes of us rambling about yeah. yeah, and you're welcome. We've really pared that down. Yeah, and then at the end, another 10 minutes of us <laughs> rambling about nonsense. <laughs> Yeah, it seems to it seems to be working, guys. I hate to say it out loud, but I think people like that part. <laughs> We're on fire. <laughs> or at least they can stop it because they know where. <laughs> no, I like that idea. My first viticulture. I mean, does viticulture work? My first juice box? Uh, my yeah, first... I think you could do my, yeah. <laughs> my first juice box. That's For some reason, that sounds like drugs to me, and I don't know why. It sounds like someone's doing steroids. Like you're going to the gym and you're trying to get big gains. Hey, brother. Hey, Hey, brother, you need a juice box? Hey, hey, brother, uh, what's this? Oh, it's my juice box. It's where I keep my juice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You still still eating all those oats because they ain't working for you, son. I seen you. You don't even think, bro. (laughs) Got to get them gains from your juice box. (laughs) I do like that idea, though, Mark. Like, I would play that game. It would be interesting. Yeah, it'd be a good time. My first juice box. I mean, honestly, it helps having played with a child because, like, I don't don't have any children in my life other than Kira. So, like, I I think I tried to think about... (laughs) Same here. (laughs) I tried to think about what would she like and i could picture her having a good time like trying to figure out how to sure. make the best juke box she could yeah mm-hmm. she would like that i like that idea i liked it when you texted it to us i want i wish it was my idea <laughs> yeah me too I I, just... you know what new brain cannon it was my idea okay, yeah i like that dave you tell me the same thing that mark just told me and then edit yours before mark so it sounds <laughs> like he's stealing it from you <laughs> you know that i could actually do that right <laughs> I know. I know. I, that's why i want you to do it <laughs> Mm-hmm. But also yeah. edit out me suggesting you do that. Yeah. You no, guys, I would definitely <laughs> leave that in. <laughs> you guys just Milton Bradley'd me is what happened. Gotcha. Yeah, in your face. Gotcha, we, sucker. We fidget spinnered you. Yep. <laughs> Dave, what's your uh, kids game idea thing? I really like the idea of going with my favorite game of all time. And I actually give this a lot of thought today. My first Zaya. <laughs> so, my first in, safe thief, uh, space thieving. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, so, in thinking about this, I think there's a ton of ways where you could massively simplify what is a very complex game, and it's one of the reasons it's my favorite because it's not never dull. Like, there's just so much to do in that game that I'm never bored. But it would be very easy to very much pare it down. Like, you can only upgrade your ship from the base to the next level, and there's only three kinds of missions, and they're all the same. 
you know, throughout the whole thing. The board, you still build it out because I love the concept of building out a board. And I think kids would love that too, like shuffling the giant cardboard pieces. And then I'm going to go here and we'll see what's there. Oh, you blew up in the sun. Like that is still a very fun part of that game. But you could just have like four squares on a square tile instead of like 30 squares on a hexagon or however many it is. Mm -hmm. Like there's a lot of ways you could really simplify the game to have it be very approachable to a, a seven or eight year old that would still have it be a lot of fun and give the player a decent amount of choices. Pair it down where a D6 runs everything. You know, there's no different dice in it. It's just a D6 for everything. Mm -hmm. And you roll and see what happens in various ways. There's a lot of ways to do that. It would be great at teaching math. It would be great at teaching, hey, sometimes random stuff happens and your ship blows up. Let's laugh about it together and then move on. You just respawn and it's fine. Like, yeah. You could do a lot of that very easily, and I think it would be a blast of a game. Yeah, I like. I mean, I would play that. Yeah, that sounds. Yeah, like I absolutely would. That sounds like I'll a lot play of anything, fun. Though, so. And the other thing too is yeah, like we're... putting a kid in a sandbox like that, where they could literally have like a like any number of things that they could possibly want to do. I mean, that's a recipe for success right there. Oh, absolutely. And that's so. My first thought actually was to do a, like a My Little Great. Or not Great Western Trail, the other one. Western the Legends? One. Western, Western Legends. Legends. Yeah. But I prefer space over Western, so obviously I chose this. <laughs> Makes sense. But name a child's sandbox game. I don't know if I can. I'm sure one exists, maybe. But yeah. I think it could absolutely be done in a simplistic way that would be a ton of fun. But I love the idea of flipping the normal concept of what a kid's game is completely on its head where instead of zero choices, we just give you an open sandbox world to go play in. Yeah, that sounds yeah, like it'd be I, a lot of fun. Anytime you can uh, facilitate creativity, I think it is kind of the goal, especially for younger kids. You want them to create a, and experiment with ideas and see how they turn out, uh, successful or failure, and then they can adjust from there. And it's a good lesson just in general. Yeah, and in talking about doing this as our, our topic for this episode, I was thinking back on like all the games that I played when I was a kid and how terrible they were. Mm -hmm. And I didn't even really like I sort of had fun, but I don't <laughs> recall really liking board games until later in life when there were better board games that I was introduced to. Right. Yeah, and like that's really when I fell in love with it. When I was playing Mousetrap and Shoots and Ladders and Candyland, I even as a kid, I kind of thought those games were dumb. And now as an adult, I can explain why I think mm -hmm. those games are dumb. But yeah. as a kid, I just didn't really like them very much. I didn't know why, but I didn't. But it's like all you knew, right? And it's yeah. this, it's the same thing when we introduce non-gamers, uh, non-hobby like uh, gamers mm -hmm. to board games. They just don't know. Like they don't – they like, oh, we want to play Monopoly? And like, no, I, I don't want to play Monopoly. Yeah, I here, absolutely yeah, – I never I want to play Monopoly. <laughs> but here's all these other games. And they go, I didn't know these games existed. Mm -hmm. and, and of course, like you don't know what you don't know, yeah. so it's hard to come by. And same thing with little kids; like you need that in your life. Like you need something better to advance you, right? You can't mm -hmm. just keep playing the same thing over and over. Yeah, just just the fact yeah, that so many of the early games that we play are just simple roll and moves. Like it's okay for yeah. them to be used to teach the concept of a game and like how it functions and how turns work and how there are rules governing your behavior. But like that's just so aggressively vanilla that I'm, sh I'm shocked that it's like so many of them rely on gimmicks like bright colors and you know interesting right. art to keep keep kids kind of hooked in like greedy granny is 
just mechanical version of Candyland and Shoots and Laughs. For sure. And that mm-hmm. they're games that have zero player choice. Like, you don't play the game. The game is predetermined in Candyland the second you're done shuffling that deck. Yeah. The, the deck already knows who's going to win that game. You never make a choice. You never can impact the outcome. Mm-hmm. And that's not a good way to learn anything. Right. It's not fun. It's not fun. And I wish there was some way. And, and it gets better when board games get bigger like they are but that's not a way you want to raise kids to think of board games i mean mm-hmm. that's not a way i want to raise my kid to think of board games you raise your kids however you want but yeah. i i will raise my zero <laughs> children however i want yeah Daniel. but <laughs> you us, can't tell me otherwise but us three will raise my daughter <laughs> to mm-hmm. like board yeah. games. <laughs> yep. you will listen to me when it yeah. comes to raising your daughter exactly <laughs> yeah you know what in this case i will <laughs> yep <laughs> Kira with her uh, Mark- dad and her two weird uncles. <laughs> yeah. yeah <that's>, <laughs> lording over or watching her play board games. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, uh, Mark actually did some research on kids' games, right? I did. That, am I right to believe Yeah. I, so initially our topic was going to be something in, uh, about how, you know, how much more sophisticated games are for kids now than they were back, you know, when we were growing up. We just decided to design our own kids' game, which, you know, I think is a much more interesting application of our thought then, okay, it's obvious that kids' games are more unique now. But what I did find was a little bit of trivia about some of the classic children's games that I'd like to share with you now, if that's okay. <laughs> I would love I that. I can't wait to wildly guess incorrectly. Yeah, oh, yeah. so the, the way this is going to work, I'm going to give you the name of the game. I'd like for you to guess the year that it was originally released, and then I'm going to give you oh, a small bit of trivia about the game. Okay, okay. good. This is going to go good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I can't wait to be so wrong. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to love it. Okay, so our first game is Sorry. Okay. Sorry. I can't imagine that's super old. Are we... You're asking a year. Okay, yeah. I'm going to say 1956. 1956 for Dan. Uh, 1956. I feel like it's older than that. I'm going to say 1945. 1945 for Dave. Uh, Sorry was released originally in 1929. Oh, 29. Dang. Because they were sorry. They were sorry. That <laughs> it was a sorry time for America. It was. It was. It was very. It was very. It was a very. Bad time. So sorry was actually based on an Indian game called Pachisi, which was uh, adopted by uh, British colon- uh, colonists uh, in the early twenties. Uh, I guess they took the game, adapted it, and they added it sorry, so that when you bumped a person's player off the board, you had to give a very British oh sorry good chap, you know, when you knock their piece <laughs> off. <laughs> and then it became the official national game of Canada. Yes. Ooh, they called sorry. it Suri. 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 Why is it? Why is there so many? Uh, only one O. Suri. <laughs> uh, you guys are terrible. Always making fun of my heritage like that. <laughs> okay. So the next game is oh, so Shoots sorry. and Ladders. Okay. Shoots and That's got to be old, right? Shoots I'm going to say ladders. 1850. 1850 for Dan? Yeah. I'm going to go all in on this one. <laughs> all in. Uh, shoots and letters. You know what? I'm going to go 1920. 1920. The actual answer? 1943. Oh, how man. Is, I should have my last How guess. is that game older than Sorry? <laughs> no, younger. Newer. No, I yeah, mean, yeah, newer, newer than, than yeah, Sorry. Yeah. 
1943. And that game is also based on an Indian game called Maksha Patam, which... (laughs) (laughs) That sounds like a dish that I would order. Yeah, it sounds sounds like a delicious dish. Yeah, the chicken Maksha Patam. It sounds delicious, yeah. And so the Indian... I'll take that with a side of rice, please. (laughs) So again, that game was definitely uh, kind of adopted by Western, the Western world, and then kind of given this like weird children's aesthetic. But the game was originally used uh, to help discuss vice and virtue and how karma worked. Well, it would have to be a karma game because at the end of the day, Shoots and Ladders is the exact same thing as Candyland. Like you roll a dice, you move, and then either you go up a ladder if you land on that space or go down a chute if you land on that space. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they no basically, no. and it was used to like demonstrate how like good virtues could help you ascend the ladder of karma. Like bad vices would help you or would make you like sort of descend. Definitely pretty interesting. But there's no vir- vices or virtues. You just <laughs> roll a dice. It was yeah, 1940, was, Dave. They can't. Was it, <laughs> no, I think what it was saying was uh, all of yes, your Dave. actions are predetermined by the universe. You tell me exactly <laughs> and what. You have no say in anything. <laughs> yes, Dave. Would you? Would you, a noted white man, tell me what these Indian people were actually thinking? I, w- I would love to, and let me tell you, <laughs> a noted white man. <laughs> I'd like that to say that in my bio, Dave Hubbard, noted like, white man. I'd like it to say that on your tombstone. <laughs> me too, because I'll probably die of skin cancer. Yeah, kind of my whiteness. Yeah, dude, a noted so white man, Dave Hubbard, passed away this week. <laughs> I, I only want that to be on your Dave's whole. I, I, that's only how I'm going to refer to you. Oh, my friend, a noted white man. <laughs> oh, Dave, he's a noted white man. He's what can you say man. about Dave Hubbard? Oh, he's a noted yeah. white man. That's all. All right, uh, your next game, Candyland. Candy. Oh, stupid Candyland. Mm-hmm. 1933. 33. 33. Yeah. I'm gonna say it's all like bright and colorful. I, I'll go like 1950s, like 1957. 1957. You guys kind of split the difference on this one. 1948. Oh, man. We were just making games in the 40s, huh? Seriously. So Candyland was designed by Eleanor Abbott. She designed this game while she was in the hospital recovering from polio. Oh. (laughs) Well, then. Yep. Good Uh, for her, I guess. (laughs) I would never have guessed that from, like, the bright, cheerful coloration of Candyland. Yep. And so (laughs) (laughs) I guess while she she was in an iron lung, she (laughs) made Candyland. I would have thought it would be more like the fever dreams of a diabetic. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, my, oh my goodness. That's so good. Uh, so while she's recovering from polio uh, and she was designing this game, uh, she enlisted the help of children who were also suffering from the disease to help her play test it. So she kind of did it to keep oh. her mind busy and to bring a little joy to the kids who were there at the uh, hospital ward with her. Well, that's nice. That's a yeah, nice that's... Uh, story for a terrible game. Yeah. yeah I yeah. wish that I could say one good thing about, you know what? It's colorful. I've now said one good thing yeah. about Candyland. I'm I also, out of things to say. <laughs> I also like candy. Yeah. yeah, I do like candy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like both of those things, color and candy. I'm like a bird. I only fly away. Okay. Uh... <laughs> I hate it. I hate it. All right. Uh, your next game, Monopoly. Oh, Monopoly's oh, old, right? Oh, that's an old one. I feel like that was like 1800s. I'm going to say 1905. 1905 for Dan. I want to say like sure. 1895. Ooh, we're close. 1895. Oh, my goodness. Uh, the game itself was designed uh, in 1903. By oh, a, oh, I was wow. two years off. Close to on the money as I think you guys are going to get. So. Oh, man. that's yeah. a, mm. it's, I'm both happy and sad about it. 
Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'm sad that a, a game this bad has been around this long, torturing so people. So long, 1903. That's yeah. crazy. So it was initially um, designed as the landowner's game, and it was the uh, dream <laughs> of a socialist activist who wanted to show up basically how people who owned land eventually would end, end up owning people. It was, yes. Which is true. He, he was right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, it's spot on. Yeah. All right, so the game's right. Yeah, yeah. I'm, not, I'm not saying the game is wrong. I'm <laughs> saying it's not fun because <laughs> it's right is that's part just, of the reason. That's just another reason for me not to like Monopoly. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so it was um, it It's was designed, too real. It yeah. was designed, <laughs> exactly, it's, 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 it's a little real. too real. Monopoly's too real. <laughs> Monopoly, a game of gritty realism. Yeah. <laughs> Set. <laughs> set in a capitalistic world. <laughs> indeed, indeed. And it's it, it's. A, are you guys familiar at all with the story of Monopoly? Like how it became what it is? No. Oh boy, this is a whole thing. So it, it was designed <laughs> by this woman named treat. Lizzie Maggie, right? Like she designed it, and she wanted to talk about how bad, you know, how bad ca- uh, monopolies and unregulated capitalism could be. So she starts to publish it and like show other people how to play it so that they can spread the word too. Uh, and it ends up being picked up by this guy that she just kind of through the grapevine made its way to him. And then he took the idea and made it pro-capitalism and then sold it to Parker Brothers. <laughs> what? He did yeah. the most capitalist thing he could with it. Yeah, yeah. where he robbed someone else's idea because they were poorer than he was. Yeah. That's crazy. <laughs> so basically he sold the idea to the Parker Brothers and then when Parker Brothers found out that he wasn't the original owner, they basically bought the rights to the Maggie's patent for like $500 at the time. It was like super cheap and they'd already started to make so much money off of it. It's actually a completely messed up story that I'd like to cover in depth one day. That's oh, insane and yeah. sad. Dude, for and, so many reasons. And the most capitalist thing ever. I know. I keep <clears throat> I keep running to all these stories about board game companies behaving badly. Badly, especially like when they were it was like the wild west of board games like <laughs> I, I feel like i feel like these are stories that need to be told like there's a, there's enough people i feel That's... like who don't know like the actual story of like how yahtzee and monopoly kind of came into being oh we talked about yahtzee do you want us to give you a segment each week's like mark's sad history of board games the yeah. sordid dirty past of board games <laughs> <laughs> it's like mark Bryle gets Deception. to the bottom yeah i could be like a real hard-bitten like detective type Oh, it'd be so good. Give me all of oh, it, yeah. please. I love, I love this idea. <laughs> Next up, the D20 of corruption himself, Mark Belial. <laughs> <laughs> A story you just can't believe. Death, mayhem, murder. The story of Jenga. Jenga. <laughs> Oh my God! Yeah, I, I, that is a hundred percent true. Oh yeah, you don't even know how true that is. Okay, so uh, your next game, your next game uh, is Clue, or uh, as it's called outside of the U.S., Cluedo. Cluedo. Oh yeah, I knew that. Clue's old, man. I think. Yeah, I feel like Clue is really old. You want to go uh, first? I don't know if I say really. I don't know. Yeah, I'll go first. I I want to say Clue is like it is the 1900s. I'm pretty sure, but I want to go like 19. 1937. 1937. I'm going to go 1910. 1910. So 1937, 1910. Game was originally uh, published in 1949. Oh, what the heck? Ooh, like, how, yeah. What are we doing, Dave? Oh, I, was, I wasn't that far off. <laughs> yeah, it was about eight years off. Mm, 11 oh, years man, off. 19, <la
<laughs> yes, please. Um, he basically came up with the idea of having all these different characters that you would be trying to deduce who committed the crime. And then he also included several unused weapons, like a like a, uh, an exploded bomb. Oh, man. I like that. Yeah. I yeah. feel like that'd be pretty noticeable to everyone there. Yeah, very good. It's, it's so good. All right. Too I late. him putting that into evidence, just an unexploded bomb. <laughs> all right, guys. We got two left here. Uh, right. Mousetrap. Mousetrap. Oh, I played that game. I want to say that's later, like maybe yeah. the 60s or 70s. I go 68. I'll do 55. 55 and 68. Actual release date, 1963. Ooh. Oh, we were like right around it. Yeah, you guys so split close. the difference again. I thought Mousetrap was kind of newer. Yeah, yeah this, I mean, this was, I mean, newer in the yeah. scheme of these. <laughs> so Mousetrap was one of the first three-dimensional games, and it was almost, again, uh, this other segment that I'm going to be doing, uh, it was almost the subject of a lawsuit <laughs> with Rube Goldberg due to the game taking inspiration of oh. the drawing uh, that he had done without his express permission to take the inspiration or to, you know, use the idea of his machine to make this game. Oh, that's interesting. I, that makes sense. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, mean, I guess the designer was like very open and honest with the fact that he kind of stole Rube Goldberg's idea for it. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's nice of him, I guess. Yeah, I'll tell you, there's so much dirtiness that happens in the early board game history. I Go. had Mousetrap as a kid, and I couldn't tell you how to play the game. Like, I remember we used to just build the thing and then try to make it work because yeah. the game wasn't good. Yeah, yeah I don't same remember here. The game. I remember you have to like get the pieces or something. you have to get the cheese. Mm-hmm. Something about you have to get cheese and fill the cheese wheel, and then you're allowed to crank the crank. Yeah, yes, I that's exactly I what remember. it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, at least that's <laughs> what I read. I, again, I was more interested in building the machine and then using it to trap my sister's fingers than I was the actual mice, but you know. (laughs) (laughs) All right, and our final game for the evening, uh, The Game of Life. Game of Life. Oh, I'm going to say that one's newer. Really? I think that one's older. Really? I don't, maybe? I can't argue with (laughs) you. Yeah. And by newer, I mean like around the time of these other games. Yeah, 2002 or something like that. Oh, no, no. I was going to (laughs) say 70s. I'm going to go 1975. 1975. I'll say 1937. 1937. All right, so we got 75-37. The Game of Life was originally designed and released in 1860. What? We were way off. Yeah, 1860. There wasn't cars back then. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so the original game included strong moral messages. Players needed to score 100 points and could score 50 of those by landing on a happy old age. Oh, just, oh, man. just mm-hmm. living long lives gets yes. you half your points. So in this game, you got in your you got in your covered wagon, yeah. mm-hmm. and you, you attempted went west. to bring all 14 children. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. Are you sure you didn't look up Oregon Trail? Yes. Yeah, yes. I think you looked up Oregon Trail. I think you lose 30 points if you get dysentery. Oh, oh man. A hundred years after this game was released in 1960, this is the modern game that we think of today as the game of life. where there's cars house payments colleges that kind of stuff i guess the company bought it and then re-released it on the 100 year anniversary of this game this is the game of life that we know now did the old game still have that spinner no it was actually like it was actually a checkered board it was so weird and then like you would either roll dice uh i think you would roll dice so it was published by milton bradley in 1860 as the checkered game of life um the original it looks like a checkered board right and like every other space has a different thing on it so like the first space that you start on is infancy right uh two spaces after infancy there's disgrace i was born a young man yeah <laughs> i was born at a very young age <laughs> let's see some of the other some of the other um squares that are on this board prison uh lose one move you oh. go to prison there's oh, that's in- it? Influence, yeah. Pretty 
convenient. Uh, oh boy. On well, the, it was a minor dis- misdemeanor. <laughs> on the third row, there's suicide. Whoa. Yeah. This game's racy. Yeah. Wow. It, Wait, it what looks... happens for suicide? You lose the game, right? I, I think you would yeah, just lose so. the game. Yeah. All right. And then there's poverty, which is definitely a oh. thing that you can control. And I'm what a depressing game. Suicide and yeah. poverty and jail. Let's yeah. See. What are there's... the good things? There's no, no good No wonder things. you get points if you make it to happy old age. <laughs> jail <laughs> was the good thing. <laughs> yeah. There's honesty, industry, bravery. Oh, uh, there's a square that says Cupid matrimony. Oh, all right. Ooh, there's one that says idleness to disgrace. Uh, intemperance, <laughs> which where you just get drunk. That's pretty great. That checks out. There's a square that sends you backwards called politics. <laughs> yeah, that is true. I, I'm familiar I, with that square. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then gambling and matrimony and truth. And then finally, happy old age. You get 50 points for landing on that. Yeah, that so definitely, definitely really cool. Unfair. Maybe I'll put this. Maybe I'll put this up on the uh, Facebook page after this publishes, so everyone else can kind of take a look at it. There you go. Well, that sounds fascinating. I, I definitely have played the new version, the the, the version of life that we all know a number right. of times when I was a kid, and that was one of the first games. I actually sort of enjoyed a bit because to a point at least you could choose paths mm-hmm. yeah you still got screwed yay or nay with a lot of the spinners but at least you could choose a path and try to be like oh would I get more money if I go this way or that way also that's a very interesting that the big change is you win with money yeah like in yeah, the yeah. modern game of life you win by dying with the most money or retiring with the most money mm-hmm. and in the old game of life you just win if you got to live yeah, <laughs> yeah you're old. You just you were happy when like you, know. you, you managed to not commit suicide so <laughs> or good go job. to jail yeah <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh man, man. That's so has grim. life gotten better since the 1800s it seems the... like maybe yeah <laughs> I'm gonna, that's my takeaway from this whole thing yeah life is better now that's so that's grim. crazy that's i like oh, it's awful. i like we should play the old uh, game of life well i have a so jpeg of the board it. we could print it out <laughs> <laughs> Download the rules. I'm sure we could cobble together pieces from other games. For yeah, sure. For sure. Yeah, I, have, I have a couple games we could pull pieces out of. <laughs> yes, yeah, so grim. Oh my uh, god, this board's out of control. Oh man. Well, anyway, that's what I have. What I have for you. So that's oh, our cool. So that's our show. We did it. Yeah. yeah. Hey. Episode twenty something. Twenty seven in the can. Twenty seven. Like I said, <laughs> it's uh, certainly twenty something. Twenty something for sure. You were not wrong, Dan. Hey, thank you, Dave. I agree. <laughs> well done. Uh, if you guys ever have any questions or would like to get in touch with us, the easiest way just shoot us an email at randomdraw at gmail.com we'll answer whatever questions you might have or any request if you want us to to play a game we'll do our best to acquire the game to play it it's uh or when we get together we can play it i don't know i don't know how things work anymore yeah uh, the world is a crazy place eventually we will be we will be able to see each other again and it will be nice yeah it'll That's be wonderful go to our instagram page random draw a board game pa- podcast underscores uh, between each word check us out there we post a lot of games there uh, mark runs our facebook page over at facebook yep you just go to facebook go to this magnifying glass don't mistake it for a microphone it's magnifying glass it's an easy mistake to make uh <laughs> and you search at random draw pod i'll be there waiting to say hi and to know about your life and hear about yeah, how you're lonely. succeeding in this crazy little game that we call the checkered game of life <laughs> and and check us out wherever you download us throw us a review subscribe that's the best way to get us uh to so you know when the show's coming out tell your friends who might also be board game to check us out that'd be awesome just throw us a review if possible that'd be great the better reviews we get i don't actually know what happens it just seems like a good thing that we get good yeah. reviews seems, seems think, like a thing other people ask for I think yeah so really that's up. the only reason i do it i think numbers go up and then we get happiness mm-hmm. yeah yeah we win the game of life yeah we don't 
care if we're old. We just care about numbers. That checks out. <laughs> <laughs> so, so that's our show. We did it. Yay. Good job, everybody. Hey, good job, gentlemen. Yay. It's good to do this again. And now for something completely different. I yes. hope it all turns out groovy. Me too. I like that term. Nobody <laughs> nobody uses the word groovy anymore. Oh, yeah. It's because it's 2020. Yeah, yeah I know. Mark, I know. that term is no longer the bee's knees. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. No? Still still not right? <laughs> I mean, I like it. Yeah, it's it's totally good. Uh, can I tell you guys an embarrassing thing right right quick? Yeah. Uh, it turns I out... I would love that. Good thing it's not being recorded or anything. <laughs> it turns out I've been adjusting the microphone. Not the microphone. I've been adjusting the playback audio. <laughs> Wait, you... Yeah. Oh, that's hilarious. <laughs> then were you just real confused as to why your audio wasn't changing? It yeah. like, always sounds the same. I was like, I, you know, I, I keep I keep fiddling with the volume, and it doesn't like what? it doesn't change my levels why is at all. The waveform not. The waveform looks the same. It's so dumb. But sound loud and sound soft. I felt I felt like a real idiot. I was like, oh wait, it's because I keep hitting the. Uh, it's because I keep hitting the mic. The playback volume that's pretty funny you weren't changing the one next to the microphone no no i wasn't it's it's not even like you had to read it's a picture of a microphone yeah listen my job is to look good for the podcast and it's to be approachable and lovable and kind and Mm -hmm. it's you guys' job to let me make those kinds of foolish mistakes happen you know what mark you're nailing all of the other things you said so (laughs) keep up the good work little buddy I'm the official hug ambassador of the podcast. <laughs> I think you're more the Gilligan of the podcast. Oh, no. all right. I want to be the buddy. You, can you guys hear that? What is that? I can hear you. I'm getting a phone call. Oh. Ooh. On your landline? <laughs> yeah. Yes. He has to pick it up and ask who it is. <laughs> Hello. This is Daniel speaking. Hello, man residence. <laughs> man speaking. <laughs> I can't remember. You know what my favorite thing about Dan Mann is? It's that no matter what he's explaining to whom, he's always mansplaining. That's true. That's true. <laughs> he's mansplained every board game he's ever taught us. He's, and I love He's it. constantly manspreading, too. Like, it's pretty incredible how, how much space he just takes up. Mm-hmm. Any spreading is manspreading. <laughs> and he takes up extra space. Even the name man, two ends. Not one needed to spread out more. <laughs> Dan Dan man spreads so much even his name does it. Dan is a feminist nightmare. Well, I could have told you that. So my my cell phone rings to my laptop. Mm -hmm. Like I can hear it ring on my laptop. And so it was Amber. She left her work keys here. Now she has to like come back. Oh, that sucks. Hopefully she didn't get too far because I've done that before and it's so terrible when you have to go all the way back. She's like, yeah, she's there. Oh, no. Oof. Yeah, Yeah, I've done that. Oh, 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 crack it open, baby. Yeah, yeah, that's true. What is that? Oh, oh, this whole thing? Oh, don't mind this. It's just the official beer of the Random Draw podcast. Boddington's Pub Ale, established (laughs) 1778. Our good friends across the pond give us the flavor we savor and all the joy we could possibly hope in the world. Boddington's, there. You know what I'm going to open? Huh, interesting. (laughs) Quite the pitch. Yeah, what can I say? I love our European beers. I have now opened a Stewart's Fountain Classic Orange and Cream. Orange and cream flavored soda, naturally and artificially flavored. Can't you just say flavored at that point? (laughs) Flavored and naturally flavored and flavored. What flavors are left that they didn't cover? (laughs) 
This is both naturally and artificially flavored. And there's another type of flavor we can't tell you about. (laughs) Oh, but they do. It's cane sugar. Oh, boy. So much. So many flavors. It's the flavor profile from the CIA that we can't tell you about. (laughs) Are you guys familiar? It tastes like alien brains. Are you guys familiar with MKUltra? You're about to be. (laughs) Oh. (laughs) It's the flavor we gave to the hippies in the 60s to make them talk. (laughs) No, the, the hippies seem to take their own things that would make them them talk without much prodding dirty hippies wonderful wonderful hippies <sighs> you're a creep oh, man that's my favorite soda of all time uh, and orange, I so rarely drink orange soda. cream soda stewart in the glass bottle stewart's orange and cream it is my favorite thing it's always been but i drink maybe like one to four a year so it's a sometimes it's a sometimes beer oh for sure uh, well i mean uh, it's, it's a, a it's a soda i'm sorry <laughs> We're, we can't all keep up with your level of alcoholism, Mark. I, yeah. You know, ever since the lockdown, you've gone full alcoholic. Yeah. And I've weirdly <laughs> done the opposite. I've gone a long time. <laughs> you've gone full leaving Las Vegas. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I haven't you're, done mescaline yet, but it's coming. You're the Nick Cage of our group. <laughs> <laughs> In that you make a ton of money and then we're both going to steal it. And then you're going to have to take crap podcast roles for the rest of your life to try to recoup. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that so, all sounds about right. So lucky, <laughs> lucky you. I can't wait for our future, guys. <laughs> I can't wait. For I got a bright future ahead of me. Dan and I are going to have to spin off and do our own podcast with all of our ill-begotten gains. And yeah. we're just going to call it Spending Mark's Money. <laughs> and it's just going to be <laughs> exactly what it sounds like. Yeah, it's just <laughs> us talking about what we bought with not our money this week. Yeah, that's pretty cool. So, Dan, did you enjoy that uh, helicopter ride? Yeah, this, I bought this that weekend. helicopter and the pilot. I bought a... Hat made of peacock feathers, and I'll never wear it. No one cares about what you bought, Mark. <laughs> oh, you know, it's it's a oh, lot of fun. I do like it. Listen, the the deal is, is if anybody gets important, everyone gets to ride on the coattails, and that's a three way that's a three way deal. Yeah, that is absolutely the agreement. Yeah. If any one of us makes tons of money, we're all set for life. Mm, yeah. <laughs> ha! It's too late, Dan. You've said yes. <laughs> I definitely won't just, you know disappear one day <laughs> where did dan go i don't know <laughs> i assume he's so long, jokes on you suckers you need us to play board games with in oh, your please. face one time rich i could buy people that just let me win all the time <laughs> <laughs> yeah how boring would board games actually be though if you played with people that just let you win all the time i don't know i would love to find out <laughs> <laughs> you'd get to win for once yeah if you had one before <laughs> <laughs> it's uh it's that's the fun part about playing games with people like us is that it's a life and death struggle to accidentally win the game (laughs) we spend a lot of depends on the game (laughs) we spend a lot of time just like hoping for the best that's what i do anyway i'd say my overall skill level with games ranges on a scale of one to ten where you can't use seven Uh and and ten is like david beckett of board games Who's David Beckett? Uh, yeah. David Beckett plays soccer. No, David Beckham mm-hmm. plays soccer. Yeah, yeah, that is. Who's David that Beckett? That is true. David Beckett's a guy you just made up. Fair enough. <laughs> if. <laughs> 
The point is, my skill level would range from a three to a four. I like that you said David Beckham, and he, first off, he doesn't play soccer anymore. And he's not even, like, the best in the world. Dave, Pele. Ooh, well, boy. he's, like, 70. Yeah, that's a very dated soccer player you've picked there, Dave. Yeah, but back in the day, he was the bee's knees of soccer. Oh, full circle, in your faces. <laughs> I don't I don't recognize that as an in my face. Um, who is the best soccer player? Is it Ronaldo, or is it... Messier. No, Ronaldo Haver. Uh, he's a newscaster with a big mustache. Ren- Ronaldo or Messi? Yeah. Now you messed up, soccer. Yeah, I know. I, I, I got the Messi's name wrong. Argentina. It's all in your face, Mark. Don't cry for me, <laughs> Argentina. Yeah, I was going to say. Not to please, watch. Please don't upset play. our audience, Dave. <laughs> Some of them might like sports in other countries. Yeah. Speaking of sport. Yeah, go ahead. Did you let's see? Do it. Let's start a sports podcast. Yeah, let's just, just talk sports before the show starts this time. <laughs> you Random know, draw thing, a yeah. sports podcast. My favorite thing about soccer is how you never know when the game's going to end. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I do like that. The arbitrary end time. Rush just walk, checks his watch. He's like, I guess it's over now. Did you? He's like, I have to go to the bathroom. We're done here. Did you see who got signed by the Jets? I, maybe. Frank Gore. Oh, yeah. I did see that. It's incredible. Is that Al Gore's son? He's never going to retire. No, he's never going to retire. I like that he's only played for the AFC East for the past like 10 years. Yeah, yeah. Dave, chime in here. Yeah, and I like how the sports team continues to pay him a large amount of money. Mm-hmm. Yeah, not as much as they once did. Yeah, he's not making... I think <laughs> but he's, still far more than all of us will ever He's literally doing it for the love of the game at this point, because I can't imagine it feels good at his age. No. I was listening to another well, podcast. and he'll and die on the field with some honor. And they were... I don't think he'll die on the field. No. He's too strong. Yeah, he, he will outlive us all. I was listening to another like fantasy football podcast and they were speculating that Frank Gore was going for the Infinity Gauntlet because he's played for a team <laughs> whose colors are every single one of those colors except for purple. Oh no, he's got to go to the Ravens? <laughs> he's got to go to the Ravens or the Vikings, one of the two. And then oh, man. and then he will have gotten the Infinity Gauntlet because he got green from the Jets, he got yeah. blue from the Bills or the Colts, okay. he got orange from the any... Dolphins. The Dolphins, okay. And then what's the other Infinity Stone? Red? Red? I don't know. Uh, I, I don't know. I guess he could have gotten red from the we Buffalo for the Bills. B- yeah. Red's the power stone. Nerd. <laughs> well, you know what? <laughs> Game over, man. Game over.